Well, we're going to read the Bible together now, and we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. We're looking tonight at the fourth commandment, and during this series on the Ten Commandments, we've been reading the commandments as they're found in Exodus together. We're going to read them together tonight, though, in a responsive reading. If you go to page 1049 in your pew Bibles, you'll find a section that has the Ten Commandments in fine writing and also in bold writing. And the purpose of this section is that congregations can read certain passages of Scripture together. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to read the Ten Commandments together. I'm going to say the words that are in the thin writing. And then when we come to the words and the letters in bold, we'll say them all together. So it's page 1049 of the Pew Bibles, page 1049. And it's selection seven, the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 1 to 17. So I'm reading the fine print, and we're all saying together the bold print. So Exodus 20, this is God's word to us, and we'll read it together as a church family. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this evening. Well, let's pray before we think about the Bible together tonight. And as we pray, we use the words of a little poem. We're thinking about the fourth commandment tonight, what it means to respect God's day. A Sunday well spent brings a week of content and strength for the toils of tomorrow. But a Sunday profaned, whatever is gained, is a certain forerunner. For sorrow. Lord, help us to 
understand this commandment tonight. Help us to see its benefit of how you've meant it for good for us. And we pray that you'd come by your spirit and speak through your word to all of us this evening. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you'll find the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. That's page 61 of the Pew Bibles. Uh, page 61. We're coming back to the Ten Commandments tonight. Uh, so far, we've looked at the first three. We've done the same with the boys and girls, and we've uh, tried to keep those two series really running on track together. Uh, the first commandment is no other gods except for me. We've been doing the actions together. Second commandment, don't bow down to idols. Third commandment, don't misuse God's name. And tonight, just as we did with the boys and girls this morning, we're going to be thinking about the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Or, put more simply, get our little pillows out. Respect God's day. Uh, this is an interesting commandment tonight. I would guess that I'm going to have your attention this evening because the fourth commandment covers a hot topic. A hot topic because Christians have not always agreed on how to obey the fourth commandment or on whether the fourth commandment needs to be kept at all. It is worth remembering that every one of the Ten Commandments is still binding and every one has been deepened and transformed by the coming of Christ. And we're going to try and tease that out a little bit this evening. But at the beginning, it's, it's worth sketching out how things have changed. They've changed. In an article published in the Wall Street Journal in 2000, a journalist wrote the following about the Lord's Day. So for America in 2000, you've got to think Northern Ireland in 2023. Things have changed. Here's what the article said. The polling data tells us that Americans are a religious people, the large majority of whom attend church, believe in God and pray daily. But you wouldn't know it from a typical Sunday where the shopping centers are hopping, the cinema's packed and the roads clogged with cars and bike, bikers. Though we might possibly still remember, remember the Sabbath day, in the land of perpetual fun, we surely don't keep it holy. Things have changed. They've changed to the extent that our society is barely even recognizable compared with several decades ago. That, that, that our view of Sunday has changed is illustrated even more by this story. In 1808, a man called Hugh Wiley was removed from membership in his local Presbyterian church. What was his offense? It must have been something terrible. Well, he was removed from membership for opening the post office on Sunday and thus violating the fourth commandment. When Wiley's boss demanded that he continue distributing mail as it arrived, including on Sunday, Wiley was forced to choose between his church and his job. If you find that kind of world hard to imagine, you might be intrigued to learn the following. Sunday trading hours were reformed and eased in the United Kingdom in 1994, less than 30 years ago. And those reforms and easings weren't on the statute book in Northern Ireland until 1997. You might also be intrigued to learn that the first Sunday football match in the United Kingdom was held in January 1974. Uh, the 50th anniversary of that match is about a month away. Wh when was the first Sunday football match in Northern Ireland? It was June 2008. The first Northern Ireland international match was the 29th of March 2015, less than 10 years ago. Northern Ireland has always been behind the, behind the times on issues like this. Uh, we're something of a backwater European country in that way. While other countries have li liberalized quicker, we have remained in the dark ages, or so it's said. But things have definitely changed. 
COVID accelerated a change across our society when it comes to Sunday. During the pandemic, there was no routine, no weekly, no weekly rhythm, and arguably no true worship. Online services plugged a gap, but they were qualitatively not the same thing. COVID also brought about the rise of the popular hashtag, Sunday Fun Day. If you don't know what a hashtag is, it's something people use on their phones when they're on any kind of social media. Hashtag Sunday Fun Day. If you don't have to work, Sunday is a day for fun. You can go here and there, do whatever you want, and it doesn't really matter anymore. It's in that context that we come to the fourth commandment this evening. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Do you know what part of the problem is with this commandment? The Part of the problem is that we don't know it all. We know the first eight words, but just look at Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. The fourth commandment is actually 98 words long. So let's read all of it again. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The fourth commandment is confusing and controversial. But it wouldn't have been that way for the Israelites who, received the, who first received the commandments. The people of Israel would have understood the fourth commandment to be the most important, which might surprise us a little bit. The fourth commandment is the longest and most detailed commandment, as well as that Sabbath observance is mentioned more than any other of the ten commandments. It's mentioned 11 times in the first five books of the Bible and over 100 times in the Old Testament. But when we think about the commandment, we jump straight to the practical questions. Can I go out for dinner on a Sunday? Can I get an ice cream on a Sunday? Can I watch the football on a Sunday? Should I take a nap on a Sunday? You know, those are not the questions we should start with. And they're not even the questions that we should finish with either. Focusing on the practical outworking of this commandment is, I think, unhelpful. When we do that, we're assuming that we know what the Bible says about this issue. And I think we don't understand it as well as we should. So for that reason, here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to try and give you a biblical overview of the Sabbath. I'll mention some of the moral principles behind the concept of Sabbath keeping. And then we're going to finish with three applications. It's a little bit like our building project. We need the structure in place, the building in place, so that we can use it. We need to build our understanding of the Sabbath. And then we need to live it out. So first of all then, let me talk you through a biblical overview of the, of the Sabbath. We're going to start with the Old Testament. Like so much theology, a proper understanding of the Sabbath begins in Genesis. In Genesis 2 verse 3, we read, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. The Sabbath principle, therefore, wasn't invented by Moses after the Exodus. Some people say that. Some people say, well, the Sabbath only appears in the Ten Commandments, it's nowhere before that. No, the Sabbath is a principle that is at work from the very beginning of the world. Uh, have you ever thought about where the week comes from? Who came up with the idea of having a week? Days come from the Earth's rotation on its axis. Months are more or less gauged by the lunar cycle. The year is a result of the Earth's revolution around the sun. 
In other words, science gives us days, months, and years, but weeks, where do they come from? Well, the week is what it is because God made it that way. He accomplished his work in six days and then rested on the seventh. Every time and everywhere we cycle through Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're expressing the Sabbath principles introduced into the world by God himself. The church calendar is fundamentally a weekly calendar too. We celebrate Good Friday, Easter and Christmas for historical and cultural reasons. But actually the only calendar God gave to us is the seven day calendar that culminates in a day of worship and rest. Uh, You should notice in Exodus 20 verse 8 that it says, remember the Sabbath day, remember. Now remember is more than a mental picture in the Bible. It means to recollect and to put into practice. Uh, The fact that it's used in Exodus 20 verse 8 would tell us that the Sabbath isn't being called into existence at Sinai. Uh, The rest of the Old Testament helps us to see how the fourth commandment took shape in ancient Israel. In Exodus 31, we see that the Sabbath became a sign of the Mosaic Covenant. So just as the rainbow in the sky spoke of God's promise to Noah, so the Sabbath was a sign that God would take care of his people if they learned to trust him. So the rainbow in the sky is the sign of the Mosaic Covenant, uh, the, the, the covenant with Noah, and the Sabbath is the sign of the promise uh, in the covenant with Noah. Uh, Trusting the Lord meant resting from business as usual on the Sabbath. Uh, Some good references for you to look up are Isaiah 58 and Amos 8. Trusting the Lord also meant gathering for a sacred assembly. And you can read about that in Leviticus 23. These were the twin engines, if you like, of of the Sabbath. Worship and rest. The, The two were inextricably linked in the Old Testament. We rest so that we might be free to worship God And we give worship to God in part by trusting him enough to rest. So that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, one of the things that we need to say straight away is that Jesus never violated the fourth commandment. He has no problem with breaking the traditions created by the scribes and the Pharisees. But he doesn't at any point violate the commandment. If he had, he wouldn't be our savior. He perfectly fulfilled the law. So he definitely didn't violate the fourth commandment. What Jesus did with the Sabbath was that he tweaked it. Just like we think we know what the Bible says about the Sabbath, so Jewish people thought they knew what it meant to live it out. Jesus' slight tweak was to reintroduce the Sabbath as a day for doing good and not just a day for performing ritual duties. Now, Paul also mentions the Sabbath in a couple of places. I'm only going to mention one reference, but you could also look up Romans 14, 5 and 6. The reference I want to give you is Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Paul says this, he says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. What Paul's talking about here is the old written code which has been nailed to the cross. He's talking about aspects of the Mosaic law that have been fulfilled in Christ. And what he's saying is that we must be careful not to judge others for the sort of things that he mentions. He really just says, don't judge each other over these things. Christ has fulfilled certain aspects of the law. Some people will honor the special days. That's fine. 
Other people will choose not to honor the special days, and that's fine as well. In that way, there must be some important sense in which the Sabbath is no longer a binding holy day for New Testament Christians. But we're not finished there. In the New Testament, there seems to be a deliberate attempt to have the Lord's Day as a new kind of Sabbath. The followers of Christ very quickly chose the first day of the week as their special day when they would meet to worship God. In doing so, they were recognizing and establishing the significance of the resurrection. Now, one person puts it like this, and this is a really helpful quote. They've said the Jewish Sabbath came at the end of six days and spoke of a rest to come. The Christian Sunday comes at the beginning of the week, symbolizing the rest that Jesus Christ has come has won for those who trust in him. A good way to think about the Lord's Supper is to think of it as a memorial to Jesus' death. And a good way to think about the Lord's Day, about Sunday, is to think of it as a memorial to his resurrection. The early church father Ignatius, by the end of the first century, said, Christians no longer observe the Sabbath, but direct their lives toward the Lord's Day, on which our life is refreshed by him and by his death. So that's a very quick biblical overview of the Sabbath then. How how do we put all this together? Should we keep the fourth commandment or not? The short answer is yes, but. Yes, but. Yes, we must keep the fourth commandment. It's part of God's revealed moral will for all people. But the way in which we keep the fourth commandment has changed. Certain aspects of the Sabbath have been abolished. In one of the other sermons on the commandments, we talked about the three different types of law in the Old Testament, moral, civil, and ceremonial. There were some civil and ceremonial aspects to to Sabbath observance in the Old Testament. Strip those away, and the main takeaway from the Mosaic Sabbath is that we must rest from our labors and trust in God. So rest and worship. This is the principle that we find fulfilled in Christ, Jesus showed us the fullest, deepest meaning of the Sabbath, namely that we should trust in God to be our provider, sustainer, deliverer, and savior. So the penalties and the ceremonial legalities of resting on Saturday have been eliminated. The Sabbath in the Old Testament ran from a Friday evening to a Saturday evening. We no longer need to set apart that, 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 that part of the week. But that said, key principles of the Sabbath were quickly applied to the Lord's Day. And three are worth mentioning. In the New Testament, we still find that the Lord's Day is one, a day to gather for worship, a day to rest from our labors. And most importantly, the fourth commandment instructs us to find our spiritual rest in Christ every day of the week. So this is us moving into the area of application. We're going to think about those three areas of application in the rest of our time. And we're going to rattle through them fairly quickly. So don't worry. But first of all, the Lord's Day is a day to gather for worship. It's, it's fitting that we set aside one day in seven for corporate worship. The first Christians inherited from their Jewish tradition the habit of gathering on a special day each week for prayer, fellowship, and instruction in the word. That special day, Saturday, was, was Saturday under Moses, but it became Sunday in celebration of Christ's resurrection. Now, I've been in ministry for almost 10 years, and I think... I think I've probably seen Christians treat weekly worship less and less seriously. I think that's probably the case. When I was growing up, we went to church 
and we weren't really given the option of doing something else or going anywhere else, I'm very thankful that I have ingrained in me the habit of going to church virtually no matter what. Here's a hard question for those of us who are parents to answer. Are we teaching our kids that Sunday is the day we go to church or the day that we try to squeeze church in? Sometimes Christian parents can feel a little bit lost when it comes to raising children in our day to day. Uh, How do you handle the internet? How do you handle social media? How do you regulate television time? How do you regulate music? What's appropriate? What's not appropriate? What about issues like gender and sexuality? There's a lot to think about and a lot to deal with. And children will naturally have lots of questions. But one question they shouldn't be asking is, are we going to church tomorrow? Or are we going to church today? They should know the answer. It should be an absolute certainty in your home that unless they're ill, they're absolutely going to be in church. There are surely few habits more important to pass on to our children than the rock-solid routine of going to church every Sunday. It'll be hard for our children to come to the conclusion that church is important for them if we've raised them in a way that says it's only third or fourth priority for us. We may say that Jesus is Lord, but end up showing them that football or shopping or something else is the real king. Sunday is the day that the Lord has given us to attend to our soul. If you were physically sick and you didn't know what was wrong, you'd probably first of all Google your symptoms And if it was really serious, you'd probably phone the doctor after that. You would try and get some remedy for your physical illness. But when it comes to spiritual illness, when it comes to us maybe being far from the Lord, not walking with the Lord as closely as we should, we barely look for a diagnosis, let alone the cure. Yet here is God, the great physician, through the fourth commandment saying, I'll give you one day in seven to attend to your soul, to come and worship to grow and breathe and to be nourished. It's fitting that we set aside one day in seven for corporate worship. Why would the day of worship not be a great day of gladness for us? The Lord's day is a day to gather for worship. And secondly, it's a day for us to rest from our labors. We ought to trust Christ enough to stop and rest. The Sabbath was meant to be a day of gladness, not gloom. But sadly, God's people have not always seen it as such. Listen to what people were saying in Amos' day. Amos was an Old Testament prophet. This is what God's people were saying in his time. This is Amos 8 verse 5. When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath that we may offer wheat for sale? So God's people viewed the Sabbath as a day of restriction rather than a day of blessing. Now, Christians have been very guilty of overprotecting the Lord's day. Closing play parks and chaining swings together was downright mean, if nothing else. But we shouldn't let too many rules lead us in the opposite direction of too little rest. How how many of us think, you know what, life is a little bit dull. I'm not very busy and I really wish my days were more crowded. I really wish I had more to do. I wish life could be more hectic. I don't think I know anybody that talks like that. Wouldn't you love to have a day where you can say no to the many oughts in your head? Wouldn't it be great to have a day of freedom, one day in seven, where the other six days have no claim on you? Do you know, the word Sabbath is the Hebrew word for ceasing. It's the ceasing day, the stopping day. In ancient Israel, stopping meant sitting down and 
and not worrying about the fields. In the modern world, stopping might mean going for a walk, turning off our work phones, not answering emails. So Sunday is an opportunity for us to rest from our labours. We shouldn't approach it by saying, how much can I get away with? That's entirely the wrong attitude. Instead, we should say, what, what blessing does God mean to give me in worship and in rest on this Lord's day? If the Sabbath principle is rooted in creation, taught in the Ten Commandments, and reasserted by Jesus, we ignore this day at our peril. It's, it's a day that's supposed to be good for us. And we ignore it at our peril, not because God is frowning on us every time we do something other people, we should, we th- other people think we shouldn't do on a Sunday, but because he means to smile over us with the blessing of worship and rest. After all, he made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Lord's Day is a day to gather for worship. Secondly, it's a day to rest from our labors. But ultimately, it encourages us to find our spiritual rest in Christ every day of the week. Put more simply, it encourages us to trust in Christ for everything. This is potentially the most important thing to remember about the fourth commandment. We keep the fourth commandment by resting in the finished work of Christ. That's the point the inspired author of Hebrews makes in chapter 4 of his letter. There was a rest that God wanted his people to inhabit And yet in their rebellion, some of them never entered in. In his wrath, God swore that his disobedient people would never enter his rest. But for those who believe, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Therefore, we must strive to enter that rest. And how do we do that? By resting from our work as God did from his. This is the Sabbath Sabbath rest that remains. That we trust in Christ, believe in Christ, and rely on Christ instead of on our own strength. God has always graciously given his people rest. We see it in creation. We see it in the story of Joshua. We see it in the story of David. We still see it today. What does Jesus say in Matthew's gospel? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. The most important way we observe the Sabbath is by ceasing from our flawed, sinful labors and trusting in Christ alone for salvation. So some of us are running around like crazy thinking, I would love a day where I can have some kind of break. And what God says is, I have made this day for you, not to punish you or to keep you in bondage, but to give you the freedom you so desperately need. So some of us are desperately seeking the rest that we haven't found in Christ or we've found it, but we frequently forget it and never stop working, cleaning, planning, plotting, fretting, fussing, worrying, and and trying to prove ourselves to our parents, spouse, the kids, or church. Some of us have never really fully understood what it means to have grace. There's always something else we need to do to show the world that we're worth something, that that we're valuable and loved. But you don't have to earn anything. You don't have to prove anything. The world doesn't depend on you. Your salvation doesn't depend on you. And in an ultimate sense, your family doesn't depend on you. Jesus sweetly and in a very precious way says, come to me and I will give you rest. You should take him at his word. Believe in him, trust in him, run to him. And then every resurrection day, every Sunday, 
Give expression to what you believe by giving him praise and giving yourself a break. The Lord's Day is a day for us to gather for worship. Secondly, it's a day for us to rest from our labors. But ultimately, it encourages us to find our spiritual rest in Christ every day of the week. That That's the fourth commandment then. It's maybe not what we expect it to be or assume it to be about. We touched on applications with the boys and girls and Do you know what was fascinating about that this morning? They got it. They they understood that Sunday is the day they go to church to worship and that it's a day of rest. They don't do certain things on a Sunday because they go to church and it's God's day. Oh, that we would have a childlike faith. Oh, that we would take God at his word and try to put this into practice because one day Sabbath will descend in all its fullness. That's ultimately where the fourth commandment takes us. All Sabbath now is a foretaste of Sabbath ever after. When we cease from our labors and sense the sweetness of that ceasing, we're anticipating the day when we'll fully enter into our rest. I think about the most common inscription on a gravestone. What is it? It's rest in peace. We associate the afterlife with rest from striving And it will be that for all those who have trusted in Jesus. At the cross, Jesus justified us fully, granting us rest from the penalty of our sin. As we've noted already, the the author of Hebrews tells us that we still labor to enter into that rest. But one day when we're glorified, we will rest fully and finally from the presence of sin. I had never thought about it or noticed it until this week. But what is it that connects the creation account, Jesus' death on the cross, and the new heavens and new earth. It's the Sabbath principle. It's the principle of rest. The banner over the seventh day of creation is, it is finished. God rested from his work and said, it is finished. The banner over the believer at the cross as a new creation in Christ is, it is finished. Jesus has accomplished our salvation through his death. And the banner over the recreation of all things in Revelation, the new heavens, the new earth, eternity to come. What is it? It's, it is done. It is finished. Each time we declare it is finished in our Sabbath observance on the Lord's day, we affirm our allegiance to the kingdom that is to come, ordering our lives on earth as it is in heaven. So let's enjoy Sundays. Let's not think that they're no fun. It's the best day of the week. It's the day we get to worship the Lord Jesus together. And it's the day we get to rest from all that we do during the week. Let's respect God's day. And let's remember that a Sunday well spent brings a week of content and strength for the toils of tomorrow. But a Sunday profaned, whatever is gained, is a certain forerunner for sorrow. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your gifts to us. And we recognize again the gift of the Lord's Day, the gift of Sunday. We thank you that it's a day when we can come to worship you, to praise you, to pray with other believers, to have fellowship with each other. We thank you that we can praise you for all that you've done for us on the cross. And we thank you that as well as worship, we can rest from the busyness of life. 
Father, we pray that you'd help us to do that. We, we're, we're running around. We're, we're very busy. But we pray that you would help us to, to take time on a Sunday to rest from our labors and to rest in Christ. And this week, each day of the week, help us to rest in Jesus. Help us to realize that his work for us is finished and that we can know the joy and, and benefits of our salvation. Father, help us to keep the fourth commandment. Help us to live it out. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.